Thank you for joining the Denver Podcast, the podcast that brings together public relations professionals and influencers. I am your host, Vanessa Abram, and I'm glad you joined us today. Ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to introduce to you today's guest, Jessa Lynn. Jessa Lynn is the blogger in chief behind Dollface Diaries. Dollface Diaries is a passionate fashion and lifestyle blog headed by Jessa, who is also a SEO strategist by day. Jessa is a five foot tall lover of fashion, travel, and french fries. We're very similar in a lot of ways, as you can see. She loves blogging and sharing her insights on the latest fashion trends, positive lifestyle, and her love for plant-based cuisine while exploring new cities. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a round of applause for Ms. Jessa Lynn. Hi, Jessa. Just to bring you up to speed, this is, as you already know, I was doing the Digital Influencers Meet PR Pros event, and I decided let's turn this into a podcast because, A, there are so many people that I want to talk to and that I want to hear their thoughts on this, you know, on this topic, but can't ever really get them in all the events that I do. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like, we can't do events the way that we want to. And I always want to do this podcast anyway. So it's like, why not now? Yeah. Welcome to Vanessa trying to do this podcast <laughs> for I the first feel, time. I feel like COVID has been like the biggest like opportunity opening like experience for everyone like I started working on an SEO course I like talked about it occasionally and I've done SEO for eight years and I've like kind of kept it in the background of my my blogging but now I'm like hey to make money and like educate other bloggers on a topic that really is a challenging topic for this industry like why not make a course and and sell it to people like I feel like it's kind of like COVID's kind of turned those pipe dreams into like okay I need to do this for myself because I've been putting it off. So how far along are you in this SEO course development? I've been looking for like platforms to host it on because I want to pre-record it and have like worksheets and pre-recorded like short videos to kind of go along with everything. Um, so I've been ho- like looking for hosting sites. And then I also have my outline of my videos, kind of how each step I want to take. Um, I'm trying to figure out how many videos I want to do exactly, but kind mm-hmm. of created like the skeleton of what, what the course will be laid out as. So you're in the yeah. skeleton development stage. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Well, if you need help, let I me know. definitely reach out because I was looking or I was thinking about or I was talking to Allie the other day actually and we were talking about Taylor. I was like, oh, I might have to pick Taylor's brain too. So I'm adding you to my list of people that I reach out to about this. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. So let's re- tell the people who are, who are like, I've been talking, we've been talking, we've been having this conversation. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> What is your um, name? <laughs> Hi, I'm the nameless blogger. <laughs> I'm Jessa. I'm a petite fashion and lifestyle blogger who on the side does search engine optimization, <laughs> trying to bring it into 
a little bit more of the conversation of my blog. Yeah, mostly petite fashion and healthy living. How did you get into blogging? Actually, so I started my blog in 2000, I think 13. So like years and years and years ago and like live journal was what people were plat were blogging on or Tumblr even. Um, and it started out actually as a music review blog. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and we I, just had this whole conversation about music. And you I, found out my secret music pass, and you have a secret music pass. I have pass a secret too. music pass too. I wanted to do AR so bad. Oh my gosh, Jessica, we need to do something. We need to do a we need to do a blog or a podcast <laughs> on music. I know, right? So yeah, it started as like a music blog and then it turned into like a journal style blog. And that's kind of how like the Dollface Diaries became the name. Um, it was more of like a conversation on my life rather than like focused on fashion. Every single post and when Instagram came in, I think around like 2014, I started doing like daily outfits, the OOTD hashtag. Mm -hmm. um, I remember. So how I brought the fashion aspect into the blog. And then I started working, my first job out of school was in link building for SEO. And we were reaching out to bloggers and asking them to write blog posts on different topics associated with our clients. And I'd get these emails back. And I spent all day like looking at blogs and I loved reading the fashion blogs. And I was like, you know what? I could do this. And I was starting to get like, or, or like emails back saying like, oh, my, my price for a blog post was $200. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Like, I could really do this. Like, I really think that like I, all my friends ask me for beauty product advice and where to find a pink dress at this length. And I send them all these like ideas and in different price points. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make it a blog. I'm going to start writing about this stuff. The, the trends that I'm seeing, the trends that I'm loving, and educate people on the topic. So that's kind of how it started. And I had my ex-boyfriend taking all of my photos for four years. Bless his soul, because <laughs> poor man probably never wants to pick up a camera again. <laughs> but yeah, it just kind of continued after that. It's so funny you say that, because I learned just recently that that's how it has to be like if you're going to be an influencer if you want to date an influencer then you might as well be ready to be a photographer because yeah. i've started to realize that every i'm like how are they getting all these who's taking these pictures like are they just riding around with a photographer every day it's like no the significant other is the one that's taking the picture so yes shout out to those people oh my they, gosh the instagram boyfriends like they're the real deal I've seen so many like duos too. Like my favorite blogger who lives in London, her blog. Oh, what's her name? I might follow her. I think I know who you're talking about. Pro, Victoria McGrath. Okay. She, she's a fashion blogger and her and her husband create these amazing campaigns. They just did a like basically a mini commercial for Urban Decay's new mascara. It's gorgeous. And he filmed it all and edited it all like he he has done incredible things for her career 
So she gets all the, the deals and I'm pretty sure they probably collaborate on the ideas, but then he executes everything. He takes all of her photos. Some of the photos that he's taken have been featured on magazines and things like, like on magazine public, like online publications. Like it's incredible. So you know that when you, whoever is your next boyfriend, he has to be a photographer. <laughs> he has to be a photographer. photographer. Or videographer. If you're not a photographer or a videographer, or at least trying to pursue to be a photographer or videographer, you need not apply. Yeah, yeah. Firstly, <laughs> you need to bring your resume. <laughs> what do you love most about content development? Oh, man. I think. Really, like, lately, I've been working with a lot of photographers. So I've, like, given the men in my life the freedom to be, like, just romantic interests. <laughs> and I've cultivated these incredibly creative minds that have liked to work with me. So I think that, like, coming up with new concepts for the photography, getting really creative with my posing and the props, like we were saying, with, like, the bubbles and stuff, like, really stepping out of the box of like the typical influencer photos has been really fun. But then I also love like digging deep into a topic that I'm interested in. So lately or um, recently I did a post on sunscreen and like taking care of your skin, and protecting your skin from the sun. And I thought, or I had fun like finding a little bit more information other than just here's a bunch of products that you can use to protect your skin. Like I was looking into, there's actually two different types of sunscreens. There's physical and chemical. And physical sunscreens sit on top of the skin. So those are like your zinc and your mineral sunscreens. And your chemical sunscreens actually like absorb into the skin and like absorb the UV rays. So the, the physical ones have them bounce off of your skin and the chemicals actually absorb that. Like those, um, harmful rays. So how do you know which one to pick? It's really, I think, your preference. The mineral ones typically have zinc in them, so they give you that white cast if you don't I have hate that. Person. Yeah. Yeah. So like, or it makes me look blue. Yeah. Or so the chemical one would probably be a little bit better. But then there's also other there's like some people don't like some of the chemicals in the chemical sunscreen. So it's kind of like your preference of what you want in and on your skin it, that's a, I mean like that is because I I have used sunscreen and like you said I don't like the ones that's like really white and cakey and make my skin look blue then I found like really nice creamy ones like you said that absorb into my skin but then now I'm at this point in my life where I'm like okay what are these chemicals exactly. you know yeah and so it's like okay yes it's blocking sun but still in my skin yeah like it's still in my skin so uh -huh. then so I've been on this thing on what's the most natural sunscreen out there have you found that I have not not yet I'm still because I also did another blog post on like clean beauty mm -hmm. so I'm still educating myself on like clean beauty and what that is and what chemicals to look for in your beauty products, but it's a lot of like learning about the ingredients in your products. And I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, that has pretty packaging. Like it smells nice. Let me try that one. And like you, I've started to like, okay, take a step back 
away from the packaging mm-hmm. and focus on like what's in it. So those have been fun kind of ideas. And then I also love talking about mental health. I think that that's probably other than like fashion, my like other really big pillar on my blog. How did that, okay, so you evolved into so many different things, which is great. So you evolved from music to fashion, mm-hmm. you know, to beauty, to mental health. Mm-hmm. How did you grow into the mental health pillar? I think I've just, I've always struggled with like weight and my- Shut up, really? Yeah, my like self, my acceptance of like my body image. Gotcha. I mean, as women, I feel like we all have- that like social image of the perfect body and we're always like trying to obtain that and mm-hmm. it's such a struggle that I feel like I've like really tried to focus on just loving myself and I mm-hmm. feel like every woman needs a little bit of a reminder to do that I've also struggled with a little bit of depression so I've talked about that a little bit how to have a positive mindset and a better healthy relationship with yourself Mm-hmm. I feel like having a good relationship with yourself is the way to create good relationships with others. So it's kind of that ripple effect. If you love yourself, you're you're more you're easy. It's easier for you to love others. So it's good that you're having this conversation too, because it it takes the stigma away from mental health. I think there's like this there's such a big stigma around like mental health and what does that look like? And then just from the standpoint that people look at mental health as a thing of you're crazy. Like, no, you don't have to be a crazy person. You don't have to be suicidal or be in a really dark place, you know, where it's really bad for you to struggle with mental, with mental health. So kudos for you for doing that. Are you working with any organizations or anything like that? Not really. Um, just kind of, I'm looking for things to do. There's just been so much like Mm -hmm. life and all these projects that I want to, I want to do. I'm starting to look into, okay, how can I like bring this message more? I've also started working with a therapist and working on, I, I have codependency. So working through recovery and that and handling that mental aspect Forgive me, what is codependency? What does that really mean? I think, and the reason why I want to clarify that, because I think sometimes we use certain mental health jargon and not really know what that means. Um, let me find <laughs> actual, because like to describe it, it's childhood traumas that have caused like excess emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I struggle with like in my relationships, just in my relationships, really. Like romantically or with friendships or all around? All around. I'm a people pleaser. That is one Mm. of the biggest signs of codependency is that you always want other people to be happy. you, You didn't build boundaries as a child. So you've kind of just grown to like always want other people's acceptance. So that's something that I've had. Like I've I've always known I've been a people pleaser, but I never realized until working with my therapist that like this is a problem and that I need to like work through that those childhood traumas to kind of see those signs and then work against them as I recover. So it's so funny you say that because 
I did, I'm glad I asked because I didn't know that's what it was. And I definitely suffered from codependency <laughs> and, and did not know it. And because I, I jokingly say, but it's very serious. I'm a recovering people pleaser. Like I was such a big people pleaser. I didn't go to therapy per se. I started meditating and through meditations, it became more evident to me um, that, okay, why am I this way? Mm-hmm. You know, where did it come from? And just starting to peel back at that. And I wouldn't say I'm definitely, I may still have some residuals of it left over, but it's, I'm definitely a different person than I was back in 2017. Yeah, um, it's really crippling too. Like sometimes it can really mess with like your mental health and yeah. Oh, for sure. Because it, it, by having it, you're not recognizing your own self-worth in situations because, because you're so fixated on pleasing the other side, you're not realizing that it's really them that needs to please you (laughs) or it's not even worth your time. Yeah, I have several stories <laughs> on yeah. this. We won't get, I won't get too deep <laughs> down into that road, but I have yeah, several stories. Understanding this and kind of, and realizing like I've gotten a lot stronger in my communication. I think that's a big thing that like I struggled with was I always wanted other people to be happy and to please them. So I didn't feel like my opinion was really a, a valid one or one that was needed in the conversation and could only cause problems. So I would always shut down and kind of put it aside. And I learned to have to use assertive language when I'm unhappy and really just kind of talk about how to make both parties happy. So it's been a, a great learning experience. <laughs> I'm happy for you. I can't wait to see how this, how you begin to evolve from this. Yeah, I'm excited. So speaking of partnerships earlier, have you ever had to deal with PR professionals as you develop content? A little bit. Luckily, I've worked with a lot of very open companies like ModCloth, for instance. They just asked that I create two outfits and they sent me a bunch of clothes and they just kind of like let me do whatever I wanted. They didn't, they gave me a few like directions like for the holidays they wanted obviously holiday themed looks and backgrounds and things like that so I did a lot of that but I've worked with a lot of very open-minded like companies that's good I'm so glad that you had a, a good experience working with PR professionals because when I started doing this I noticed that as a because I'm a PR professional I'm an accidental PR professional, <laughs> as as we all know. Uh-huh. But as I just remember, like when I started, you know, I started off working in an agency, and working with an agency, we began to like reach out to different bloggers for coverage because we started to realize, like, oh, these bloggers have more of a reach or more of an engagement than some of these magazines that you know we're reaching out to. So at first it was really simple, you know, we'll send them gifts and things like that. And then it evolved into this pay me per post. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay. And, but then that became a struggle. And I think that was the thing that uh, other 
bloggers and influencers didn't see was that that became a struggle for us because when clients hire us, they're hiring us to get them what's called earned media, mm-hmm. you know, and that earned media is like, how do you convince someone a publication or a platform to talk to you, talk about you without paying for it? We have our ad people that's paying for it, but we need you to kind of generate these authentic, you know, conversations and these authentic things. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay. But what I did know is that we did begin because it was a new profession and because it was new, we did begin to create these, you know, campaigns and suggest influencers for different campaigns. Like one of my favorites was I worked with Aflac some years ago and we developed this campaign where we found this financial influencer who wrote some articles, who did some, you know, some things. Well, I wouldn't say she wrote some articles, she wrote some blog posts, but because of her level of celebrity, her blog posts ended up being reposted um, in Forbes and like Huffington Post and things like that. And she was a really great spokesperson. And I remember like going through the things of finding her and it was like a really good fit. But then it started getting to this point where it was like, okay, there's a saturation of influencers and bloggers and they have like these certain followers. And so then it was like, everything is paid. And so then the problem was, well, if everything is paid, where's the authenticity of do they really, you know, of do they really like the brand? Uh-huh. So then it was like, okay, how do we have this? So it was like, we're trying to like reach out to them. Like, okay, how do we have this conversation of like, you know, to, to get you out to authentically engage in this brand without, you know, you paying, you know, without us paying for it, because if we're paying for it, people are starting to not buy it. Like they're starting to not believe it anymore. And so that was, and that was the reason why I started this conversation because I know that we was running into this wall of everything is paid. And, and then the consumer or the brand is like, but where's the real stories? We don't have any real stories where they, you know, like we want to see that they happen to try this on and, you know, this is what happened and this is the actual trial. Like what, what is their actual experience with this product or this brand? without us telling them the story that, that we want them, you know? And so that was where that, and so that was the conversation I wanted to have, because I think they thought that we were taking advantage of them when we started doing this. And I learned that it is true. Like some of them did begin to like, I found that that some PR people were taking advantage of influencers, like basically giving direction as if they were paying them, but not. And I don't like that, but yeah, so what are your thoughts? <laughs> no, it's funny. I said a lot. It's funny that though, because, like, that's basically my first job out of school. That's essentially what we did for link building. We would kind of reach out, and, for instance, my, my biggest client, the client that I worked on the most was, was Vegas.com. So we would reach out to fashion bloggers and be like, hey, I work in the marketing department at Vegas.com. We, I love your outfits. Would you talk about hypothetically, if you were to go to Vegas, what would you wear? Where would you go? What dinner would you go to? Can you talk about what, like, the outfits that you'd wear? And they loved the idea. They'd write all these blog posts. I'd stay at the Aria because it's got the cool sh- whatever. Mm-hmm. I cool, and this is the outfit that I'd wear. I'd go to this Cirque du Soleil show and eat at this restaurant. It's all relevant content around the hotels in Las Vegas. 
and we'd have them put in a link to the website and boom, we've got domain or we've got authority from this mm -hmm. blog. So it's kind of funny. We wouldn't pay them to talk about these topics either. So it was kind of a similar situation that I was doing. So I feel like when companies or like PR people reach out to me, I have a little bit of sympathy and I kind of am like, okay, is this something one that my audience is going to be interested in? Is this something I'm interested in? Is this going to fit in with my con my content? And that's when I like start to have those conversations with the person and I'm like, okay, like how can this be a mutually beneficial like relationship right. that we can create from this? But I also think too with that in mind and doing this, I feel like it's our job as PR professionals to not take advantage of you. Like just because you gave me a one post doesn't mean I keep coming to you and coming to you. And then I never invest in what you're doing. So yeah. it's like, you're always giving me what I need, but then it's not reciprocated. And so I started telling influencers to like, have a cap, like have a cap on what you're willing to do. And then if they start to exceed that cap, say, Hey, I've already given you this many posts moving forward. Let's talk about, you know, how we're going to do some partnerships. Mm -hmm. And then I think, and I also think too, for influencers, especially like new influencers, I really think that they should take this opportunity to start. And I was telling this to another influencer, actually, to like start to measure the impact of these campaigns that they're doing that's earned media. So then that way they can take that data back and say, hey, I did this, you know, non-paid you know, negotiation, you know, partnership with this brand. As a result of me making this post, this brand got X amount of recognition. You know, the client came back and told me that they got this amount, you know, this much sales, things yeah. like that, you know, like, because I think you out in the back end, what's happening that influencers don't know is like, it is about your following, but it's more about like, can you give me a return on my investment? You know, so if I do, if I do spend this money on you, am I going to get it back plus more yeah. because your followers are so engaged because like when we're doing it for PR, PR is like more like visibility, just recognition, things like that. But if I'm starting to spend money, I'm expecting to see my money back. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I love always at the end of my campaigns, I always send them like a little PDF, like case study almost. Mm -hmm. giving them those stats, telling them kind of the reactions that I got. If I got any verbal responses from close friends or friends told me that they went and picked up that brand, like I will write that in and kind of give them a little bit of a synopsis of how the, the post was responded to by my audience. Um, just so they, and then I feel like as either a PR person or the marketing, the influencer marketing person in the agency, like they have to bring that information so I feel like it also creates that relationship of like, okay, I'm a reliable person for you to like, you know that you're not going to have to do the heavy lifting that I've already done and set it out for you. So I always mm -hmm. like to do that. Like we're working together, we're partners. So I feel like I should provide as much information as I possibly can to really create that authentic relationship. Do you have any favorite brands that you've worked with? Oh man, I think Mod Cloth is my favorite. Just because I I grew I grew up like I used to get their their catalogs. That's how mm. how long how long I've been following this brand, and I loved their vintage styles. That was like typically what they, they first started selling. 
Um, and now they sell like a wider range, but I've always loved their clothes. So the day that I got the like, yes, pick some outfits and style them and send us the photos. I was like over the moon. <laughs> that is a perfect match. It was great. Do you have a brand that wasn't such a pleasant experience? And you don't have to say what name, but have you ever worked with a brand that left a kind of a sour taste in your mouth? I can't think of one off the top of my head. I did have a brand. Um, I did a collaboration, I think through like Influencer or something. And they liked the post that I did so much that the brand actually reached out to me afterwards and sent me more product in like a different style. And I just didn't like the product. And I felt so bad that like I reached out and I was like, hey, I don't think I can write about this. It's just not the same like feel and like formula. I can't endorse this particular product. Mm -hmm. And they were completely under like they understood. They were like, okay, that's fine. Like, thank you for your feedback but I felt really terrible. <laughs> Don't. That's actually good. I'm glad you have the integrity, A, to not feel forced to write something that you didn't feel was your truth. And I'm glad that you went back and told the brand why you're not writing about it because they, they need that. Like, I always like feedback regardless if it's good or bad. Like, one of the things that really helped me in PR, I, as you know, I didn't major in PR. I was you know, so when I got into PR, it was kind of like, well, I did take one class, but still, it was kind of like a learn as you go kind of situation. So when I started doing outreach, when I, I remember when I first started doing outreach, I was not getting any placements. And I got flushed, I got so frustrated, I just started asking, like, why am I not getting anything? Like, why are you telling me no? Mm-hmm. And of course, all of them didn't tell me no. But when they finally did, I was like, oh, great. This is good information. So now when the client comes back and say, why didn't you get me in blah, 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 like, cause blah, 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 thinks this about you, or it needs more information, or this isn't, you know, like I had information to give them through the, and we can move along or they can make adjustments where they need to make adjustments. So if you're not, if like, if you and other influencers are telling them the formula is off, they need that so they can go back and fix the formula before they start. Like I would take heart if I was, if I made a brand, if I had a product and I'm like, I'm trying to sell it to the masses, but 10 influencers, forget 10, three, four influencers came back to me and said, this product sucks. I may want to go back and renegotiate or relook at, not, not renegotiate, but relook at how I'm doing things. But I would never know to do that as no one tells me. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then so- it saves me money from making all these mass productions if they if you tell me ahead of time. Yep. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on with that being said, what are your thoughts on like being like test subjects for a brand? Like being be, like and I say test like being the first one to try before you know they launch it to the public. I love it. Honestly, like I think that's what influencers should be. Like, that we should be those people that, like, I I hate when influencers, like, open their PR boxes and, like, share the whole experience. Like, I think that that's kind of silly, but, like, or it's kind of braggadocious almost. Like, they're like, ooh, look, like, NARS Cosmetics sent me this box with the 
the cool video in it. I'm like, I don't care. Just tell me if the product, like I'm here watching your Instagram stories because I want to know if that product is good or what products you're using on your face. So I think that like getting the latest or like, for instance, that, that commercial that I talked about with in the fro, she was the, one of the first people to try that mascara. She made this awesome commercial for them. And I'm like, heck yeah, I need to go buy that, that mascara as soon as it hits the shelves at Sephora. So it's like, I think that that's our jobs, I feel like. That we should be the ones creating that unique content. And I'm sure Urban Decay can do some kind of like deal with her where they can buy the rights to that video and utilize it on their own Instagram and their own YouTube channel and things like that. Like, it was a, it was an incredible, incredible little video that she created. So it's like the, we should be those people creating these ideas to sell these products. So where do you see your brand in like five years from now? And who do you see yourself working with? Oh man. The goal is, is very luxury. Five years might be a little, a little soon, but like, I want to work with those big makeup names the Urban Decay and NARS and Dior. Obviously, I'm a big fashion connoisseur, so I love Dior. Dior just did their one of their latest um, runway shows today, I think it was. And it's beautiful. And so I'd love to work with these, these big fashion houses in the future. But Speaking of Dior, do you have a Lady Dior bag or a saddle bag? I do not have either of those, but I have the Diorama bag and my shoes. My Dior slingbacks are like my pride and joy. <laughs> I wear those shoes to death. They're my favorite in the world. But yeah, I, I would love to in the future work with those kind of brands. But I think that like Victoria is definitely a an influencer that I admire for her creativity and her very, she stays true to her own brand and her own style, but still incorporates these brands and is very on brand for the brands as well, mm -hmm. which I think is very, is very nice how seamlessly the two can, the two brands can mesh together. So I'm hoping that one day I want that, like, I loved creating very couture and out of the box photographs lately, um, kind of changing poses, making things a little bit less like here's my outfit and a little bit more like here's this motion or like here's this unique way to look at an outfit. Yeah, it's very editorial. That yeah, I've been trying to do a lot more editorial work lately. I've noticed. It's been fun. I've been paying attention to it. It's very, it has a very art-like quality to it. Thank you. Yeah, and the photographers that I've been working with in the city have been absolutely incredible. I like come to them and I'm like, okay, I've got this idea here's a bunch of like photographs from online. I'm like, can you lay on the ground upside down underneath me as I like <laughs> do this move? And they're like, yep, we're in. Like, and then- the, Wait, 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 they lay upside down? Or are you exaggerating? Well, like the one, the photos that I took in the like shirt dress with the bow in the front, um, with like the bag, my girl, my photographer like laid on the ground by the river like completely out flat to take that picture of me <laughs> it's really funny 
That was also the same uh-huh. day we um, we took my vintage chair downtown and stuck it in the middle of the street. It was like in April, so it was like early in quarantine and everyone was sheltered. Perfect. Mm-hmm. The streets were completely empty. It was like just the two of us and two cops on the street. <laughs> and yeah. Did the cops say anything to you? It was too funny because like all week we were planning this. I like sent her this photo and I was like, oh my God, I want to do this. This is the only time we will ever be able to take these photos because the streets are empty. Let's do it. And she's like, I'm in, let's go. We like put together a plan, figured out how we were going to get the chair down there. And we were like, oh God, I really hope that the cops don't stop us. Like, this is so scary. And we get out, we're like, okay, no one's on the street. No one's out. Like, everything's okay. I put the chair down in the middle of the street and we hear, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, (laughs) we've been found. Like, we won't be able, they're going to send us home. They're going to tell us to leave. They're going to find us. And the cops like crossed the street and they were like, what the heck are you doing? I'm like, I'm working. I'm a content creator. And they're like, oh, you're a content creator. Okay. Well, be safe, I guess. And they like continued on their way. And my adrenaline was like pumping the whole time. (laughs) It was amazing. It was hilarious. (laughs) I'm glad you say content creator and not like influencer or blogger. Because it kind of gave you this level of sophistication that they couldn't argue with. Like That's what I was hoping for. And then they also probably had no idea what it meant. So I was like, yeah, this is my job. This is what we're, yeah, don't worry about it, sir. <laughs> you go. <laughs> I like how you did that. How do you find your photographers? So I found Chloe, the one who did that shoot with me on HUB. It's like an app mm. for creators. So you can find photographers, videographers, makeup artists. I think there might be fashion designers on there um, or models. And I found her there. Um, but mostly Instagram, actually. I've had four or five photographers reach out to me on Instagram saying that they liked my feed and they wanted to work together. So I've, I've worked with like a couple film photographers that way, which was really fun and a unique experience because they're using analog. So it's not snap, 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 snap. They kind of have to be very um, uh, focused with mm-hmm. their, their choice and their subjects and things like that. So that's been a fun challenge to kind of challenge them and their skills as well as like my own with still keeping that like movement and that editorial style. So it's been really fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, how can we keep up with you and what do you have next and how can we support you? Um, so keep an eye out for my SEO course. I'm going to have you hold me accountable. (laughs) for that so that my blog is dollfacediaries.com and you can find me on instagram it's just jessa yay i can't (laughs) wait thank you jessa you this was so much fun i always love talking to you vanessa (laughs) oh you're making me blush we have to now the next project is okay i'm tasked with reminding you about the seo project (laughs) and we have to do our music we have yes. to figure out what our music platform yes. is going to be. We got to do, are we going to do a blog or a podcast or we're going to do something? Yeah, we, we'll definitely, we've got some, I've got some ideas. We'll, we'll have another conversation <laughs> about that one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
Well, this has been another fabulous episode of the Dimper Podcast. I'm looking forward to having you join us again. Thank you.